Part 2. Aloran's Choice Chapter 17 It was an impossible situation. I was alone. Alone on an alien planet. Scared, sick at hearts, and overwhelmed. I flew high above the scene, floating on my six pairs of wings. I was in morph, a four-legged, two-armed andalite into a twelve-winged coffet bird. Below me was the horizon-to-horizon expanse of the spaceport on the Taxon homeworld. Huge, weirdly-shaped metal cradles nestled a stunning array of spacecraft, craft from every corner of the ever-expanding Yerk Empire, transports and fighters and even a vast Yerk pool ship sitting like a bloated, three-legged spider. Half a mile to my left was the Skritnaut transport we had chased to the Taxon homeworld. Inside that ship, unknown to the Yerks, was the Time Matrix. Half a mile to my right was the Yerk transport ship we had seized in orbit. It was loaded to the brim with Yerks in their natural slug-like bodies. Big, round tubs of Yerk slugs. Yerks I had saved when Aloran ordered them destroyed. And right below me was the Jahar. She was like a work of art stuck in a junk pile. She glowed, beautiful amidst the clumsy yerk vessels. And there, stepping from the Jahar, were the two odd creatures called humans. The one called Chapman shoved a helpless, bound Lorne. She fell before the feet of Subvisor Seven, the yerk in charge of security. The Subvisor was a hork controller. That's what I have to trade, Chapman said. A whole planet full of that. A hundred yerks in different forms. Huge, glistening, worm-like taxon controllers. Dangerous, bladed hork controllers. Clumsy ged controllers. All stood watching with bated breath. Where was Arbron, my fellow Arist? Where was War Prince Aloran? The last I'd seen of them, they were in taxon morph. But the two-hour limit for staying in one morph had passed. I could only hope they had demorphed at some point. Aloran should be dealing with all this. I complained bitterly to no one. Aloran was the war prince. He'd been in wars before. He had fought in the hork War. I didn't know anything. I was a nobody. Okay, Elfingor, calm down and think. But how could I be calm? The Yerks were seizing Lauren and roughly hustling her away. Chapman was trying to communicate with Subvisor Seven. Then it hit me. Chapman knew. He knew about the Time Matrix. If he found a way to tell the Yerks, we were all done for. Okay, okay, so I had to do something. 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 But what? What should I do? This was madness. The entire fate of my people rested on me? On me? Priorities. Okay, okay, what was most important? Rescuing Lauren. No, no, that was absurd. The Time Matrix. Everything came down to the Time Matrix. Was Chapman going to tell the Subvisor about it? No, it was Chapman's biggest bargaining chip. This human was like a Skritna. Self-serving, greedy, and very, very strange. The Skritna are made up of two races. The Skrit look like huge insects and are somewhat less than intelligent. But the Skrit each eventually weave a cocoon, and a year later, out pops a gnaw. The gnaw stand on four slender legs, have heads shaped like andalites, but only possess two eyes. 
All the Skritnok care about is owning and possessing things. And it seemed the human Chapman was the very same way. So I truly believed he would not give up the time matrix just yet. I had time, but not much. The subvisor would be kept busy with Chapman attempting to talk about Earth. Like any Yerk, Subvisor Seven would be fascinated by the possibility of an entire planet of sentient creatures for the Yerk Empire to enslave. Think, Alfangor, think! I couldn't count on finding Alaran and Arbron. But if they were still alive and free, they would reach the same conclusion I had. Go for the Skritna ship and its cargo, the Time Matrix. I turned in the air and flapped my many wings hard as I headed toward the Skritna ship. Below, I saw hork grab Lauren and pull her to her feet. They yanked her up by her golden hair, and a human cry of pain floated up to me. Priorities, Elfingor. Lauren, it's me, Elfingor! I called down, focusing my thought-speak on her alone. I saw her jerk and turn her head around, the way humans do to see behind them. Stop! Don't move! Don't make them mad! Don't worry, I'm using private thought-speak. No one else can hear. She stopped twisting around and kept marching forward between her hork captors. Tell the Yerks whatever they want to know. Don't resist. Just one thing. Don't mention the Time Matrix. If they get that, it's all over. You have to trust me. I will save you. Of course, the human Lauren couldn't answer. Humans don't have thought-speak. Like most species, they make sounds to communicate. I could only hope she would trust me. Right. She should trust me. Would I trust some alien who'd landed me in this mess? I could only hope. She had to keep quiet about the Time Matrix. I knew Chapman would. I flew hard for the Skritna ship. At least I had a goal now. That helped. A little. And I just wouldn't think about the insanity of it all. I would just put all that out of my head. The Skritna ship was being fussed over by Ged controllers. Geds are clumsy, loping creatures. They were the first species the Yerks infested. Only low-ranking Yerks were still stuck in Ged bodies. These Ged controllers seemed to be busy checking the Skritna ship for hull damage. I had to get aboard that ship, and I had to fly it off the planet. No problem, Elfingor. Just steal the ship from the middle of a Yerk spaceport and fly it away without getting zapped. No big deal. I landed in the dirt beneath the ship's cradle. It was dark and filthy down there. Endless debris and trash had been shoved in over the years. They had apparently even emptied ship's sewage reprocessing plants there. The smell was overwhelming. I demorphed amid the fossilized remains of sewage from a dozen species. Not pleasant. But it was a good feeling to get my andalite body back. I cowered behind the massive support pillars as I watched my four legs grow from four of the coffet's wings. Two other wings became my hands. My sleek bird head grew large and sprouted my twin stalk eyes, while the bird's own two eyes became my main eyes. The remaining wings shriveled and disappeared as my long, wispy bird tail became my swift, powerful andalite tail. I was so pleased to get my tail back. A bird's body can be pretty helpless. But, unfortunately, I couldn't stay in andalite form. An andalite walking around on the taxon homeworld surrounded by nothing but various types of yerks, would be just slightly obvious. Slightly obvious, as in, I'd have been dead ten seconds after I walked out of the shadows. I had only one way to go, 
I would have to resume the taxon morph I had acquired. The taxon DNA was still a part of me. It always would be. I swallowed my fear and loathing and began the morph. And as I felt the huge worm body grow and felt the screaming, desperate taxon hunger rise within me, I tried to form a plan. A plan to save my world, my friends, and Lauren all at once. I was halfway into taxon shape when I heard the shuffling, slithering sound of a taxon. My stalk eyes had already morphed away, but I still had my main eyes. I turned to look. It was just a dozen feet away. It must have been lurking in the darkness. It had only to scream for help, and I'd be taxon lunch. Then, to my surprise, the taxon spoke, and Andalite thought speak. Hofengor, is that you? Harbron? I cried. I was flooded with relief. I wouldn't be alone. I had Arbron with me. We'd never exactly been close friends, but at least he was one of my own. Yes, it's me, he said. What happened to you? I asked. I lost you and Alaran in that terrible feeding frenzy. For a few moments, Arbron said nothing. His silence drew a chill up my half-morphed body. I guess we got separated, Arbron said flatly. So... We gonna rescue this time matrix thing or what? Hero time, huh? Yeah, hero time, I agreed. But there was something wrong. Something very wrong. I could feel it. Where is Alaran? I asked. I don't know. I lost him in the crowd. Just you and me, I guess. Come on. Let's do it. Let's save the world! <laughs> Just what you had planned, eh, Elfangor? Elfangor the hero? He seemed to alternate between being flat and emotionless and sudden bursts of manic energy. Maybe it was the strain, the fear, and the vile creepiness of inhabiting a taxon form. That had to be it. Nothing to worry about. Just stress. If I end up being a hero, you'll be one too, I said. Besides, let's just see if we survive first. Yeah, survive, he said, flat and emotionless again. Come on, Elfingor. Finish morphing.